in, everyone. It is Farzcast. I am Farzine Vasugi, and hope you guys are staying safe from all the craziness that 2020 is up to this point. I know it's been a really crazy year uh, for everyone, including me. Uh, but hopefully, with sports being back, you guys have some normalcy in your lives right now uh i have not done a podcast in quite some time and there are a couple of reasons uh for that uh first and foremost i know i did one the only episode we've done a farce cast so far uh that was at the end of june we had morgan ganim and matt derrick on as guests for that first episode first and only episode so what happened was when I went to export it, everything was just fine, and then I went to upload it to the podcasting uh, hosting site, and that's when it distributes to all the other uh, websites such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, basically the places where we have our podcasts. A um, wide majority of the listeners, uh, because I'm still using the same uh, feed from the Chief Zone podcast which I'll get to in a moment. I know a lot of you guys are asking about that podcast. Um, a lot of the subscribers are from iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. And for whatever reason, it did not upload properly to Apple Podcasts. So that was a big chaotic mess. So I was trying to figure all of that out. And I'll be honest, I was a little slow with it because of my schedule. Didn't get around it on time. Uh, and, uh, just when I was about to, you know, try to pick up the podcast, start doing it, it again, I had a, an urgent family matter, uh, which anyone who follows me on social media knows about, uh, long story short, my mom, uh, was rushed to the hospital at the beginning of August. That's when it was. And, you know, very scary time, but thank God she's doing much better now. Uh, dealt with some dizziness and, Certainly uh, not a fun experience, but she is doing way better now, and I appreciate those who have reached out and asked uh, for updates on her. She is doing great, uh, but I did at the time, you know, she definitely needed some some help from us at the time, uh, my family and I, that is. So uh, the, doing the podcast at the time was just not something I, I, I had time for, uh, but now she's doing a lot better. Uh, you know, we, we've just always been on standby, just always been around her. <laughs> Uh, just to make sure, you know, she's okay, you know, she doesn't get hurt on her own because uh, she wasn't able to walk on her own for a little bit, which certainly was uh, was frustrating for her uh, at the time, but she's doing a lot better now, for sure. Um, so she's 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 made a lot of progress, still a little bit of progress left to do, but she's getting there, so it's, it's good. Uh, but at the time, I just wasn't in a place where I had the time to do a podcast. Now I hopefully have figured out all of the technical glitches and hopefully things are good to go on that end. Uh, if not, I'll definitely work on it and try to figure it out uh, once this is uploaded. Uh, one thing I do want to address, because a lot of people have been asking me about this, because I do Facebook Live videos on my Facebook page. and uh, I do it usually at halftime and uh, after Chiefs games. A lot of people are asking if I'm going to bring back the Chiefs on podcasts, and the answer to that is no. <laughs> and... I know that disappoints a lot of people, but I'll bring some good news in a second on that. The reason I don't have time to do the Chiefs on podcast anymore is, and I'll plead plead guilty to this, uh, I just don't have the time. Uh, I truly don't. Uh, last season, the last season we did the, the podcast, I honestly did not put forth a lot of effort to it, uh, and that's not 
really my nature to not give anything but 100% effort on something. Uh, that's just not in me to do things that way. Uh, so, for instance, you know, when trying to do research on upcoming... So, Chiefs-Texans, for example, that was the first Chiefs game of the year. You know, I would have to do a lot of research on the Texans team, you know, uh, who their players are. I mean, it's a week one game, but let's just say, you know, are any players hurt? How have they been doing throughout the season? Are they suspended? Are, are they available? Whatnot. And then, you know, some players have some long names uh, that are hard to pronounce, kind of like my name. So, I, you know, I definitely had to do more research, try to figure out how to say their names, because I want to say them correctly, uh, even though, you know, sometimes you miss, and it happens with everybody. But all the time and effort it takes just to sit up that show. Some people don't realize this, by the way. People just think to do that Chiefs podcast, uh, and Zach and DJ were co-hosts during the final season, People thought we just got together, hit record, and started talking. No, 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 no. I mean, we all did a lot of research on the podcast, and we had to create a rundown. We don't just, you know, get on and just start talking about whatever. We had a detailed rundown uh, planning out what we're going to discuss. Uh, not necessarily sharing our thoughts uh, before recording. We saved that for the recording, but... Uh, it did get to the point where it was very difficult for me to keep up with. With everything going on in my work life, I think some of you guys know I own and run a business with my family, so that is very busy. Uh, and other things I've got going on as well in my personal life. Uh, it just got to the point where uh, the podcast just honestly, I, I made it more of a priority than I should have. And if I want to do a good job with it, it needs to, it needs a lot of, quality work done needs a lot of research done and the other thing is too it's just not only did I not have the time to do all that time and effort to research those topics uh on the Chiefs on their opponents and you got to know what's going on uh and I haven't followed like my, my teams are the Chiefs the Golden Knights the Lakers uh you know honestly man I have not followed sports a whole lot outside of my teams like I'll watch games here and there like Sunday night football Monday night football and whatnot and whatever hockey games are on here and there on ESPN but I just cannot really keep up with everything going on I know there are some people who know everything about the NBA they know everything about the NHL NFL MLB and I just I I, I can't I, I don't <laughs> I don't know everything going on in all of those sports um, so that's why, you know, it, I, I, like I said, I, I plead guilty. The quality of those podcasts were just not as good. And that's one of the reasons why I brought it to an end. The other reason I, I stopped doing that podcast, I did it for 11 of the last 13 years. The only seasons I did not do the Chiefs zone was in 2012. That was my first year at KU. Uh, and so I, I just didn't feel like it would. I just didn't feel like it was something I was able to commit to at the time. And then 2014, I did not do because that's when I graduated and I was working at 610 Radio. I was also working four jobs total at the time. Uh, so there was no way in hell I had any time for a podcast. I didn't have time to see you know my family at the t uh, my family uh, during that time. Uh, my girlfriend who I was dating at the time, uh, I mean, I hardly had time to see her. I was lucky to see her once a week, maybe, <laughs> if that. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I just didn't do a podcast then. Um, it, it just got to the point now, you know, I've done it for so long. It was the first Chiefs podcast on the internet. Uh, it was just time for me to move on. Uh, I definitely wanted to still do podcasting uh, in some capacity. 
Um, I'll be doing this, and I think this is going to be a lot more fun. For those who do want Chiefs talk, I'll still be doing it here on this podcast. Uh, as a matter of fact, Zach and DJ, uh, they're going to be joining me in a couple of weeks. We'll do a Chiefs Zone reunion, so we'll definitely talk Chiefs on that. Uh, it won't be detailed, you know, like a game breakdown here and there. Uh, and there'll be occasional guests on this podcast. We'll do Chiefs Zone reunions once in a while. Um, but we'll talk Chiefs. We'll talk NFL movies, TV, uh, pop culture. I mean, anything and everything. So for those who didn't get a chance to listen to the previous podcast because of the technical difficulties we had, uh, that's what this podcast is going to be more about on Farscast moving forward. So uh, I understand some of you guys may not like that. Maybe some episodes are more appealing to you than others, and that's perfectly fine. Certainly understandable. Uh, But there will still be Chiefs talk uh, to some capacity. So... Uh, for those who uh, want the podcast back, it's not coming back, but if you want some sort of chief stock from me, well, I'll still be doing the Facebook Live videos as I always do at halftime and after the game. Uh, plus, uh, we'll still be doing some chief stock on this podcast, so no f- no need to, to fear for that. So we'll still be doing some of that. Uh, as far as this episode goes, Dan Shanka from OurLads.com, he's going to be joining me in just a moment. He used to be a scout uh, for college football and NFL teams, including the Chiefs under Dick Vermeil, and uh, was a scout uh, for the Kansas Jayhawks. Also was a scout for the Philadelphia Eagles while Andy Reid was working there. So I definitely want to pick his brain and as a Chiefs fan, just talk about Andy Reid a little bit. And, you know, what is something about Andy Reid that no one knows about him that we should know? Uh, I'm going to ask that, uh, plus a lot of other things. The Biggest news that came out of Wednesday, the passing of my favorite Jayhawk of all time, Gail Sayers. In fact, I had the honor of interviewing him uh, when I was a senior in college. So uh, I definitely want to talk about that with Dan uh, during the podcast. I've got a really nice story to share, and I know he does as well. He uh, he met Gail Sayers in Lawrence at KU. Uh, for those who don't live in the area, uh, the University of Kansas is located in Lawrence, Kansas, and it's about... 40 to 50 minutes uh, west of the Kansas City area. So uh, definitely going to have a lot of fun talking to Dan. So uh, he is going to be coming up next. Dan Shanka from OurLads.com. Back here on Farscast. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, joining me right now is the scout for OurLads.com. Really just an incredible website. And I'll tell you what, man. Uh, if you want detailed NFL depth charts, go to OurLads.com. I can't tell you over the years when I covered the Chiefs uh, for Bleacher Report, uh, for 610 Radio, uh, or just doing it for my podcast, uh, when trying to study – uh, opposing teams. I'd always use I'd always use this guy's uh, depth charts. They were just very detailed, very good, and overall just great scouting. Uh, Dan Shanka joining me right now, former NFL scout, now running his own scouting service. He, he's very generous to give us some of his time on this podcast, and I have not talked to you in a very long time, Dan. How have you been, man? Uh, it's been a long time. 
It has been, and it's always good to be with you. Uh, you know, being a former Jayhawk, you know, hey, once a Jayhawk, you're always a Jayhawk. And then, of course, uh, the Chiefs with the Super Bowl this year and me working with Andy and the Chiefs' great organization over the years uh, and things. So, uh, no, it's great to be with you. Uh, and uh, I, and uh, I always loved our uh, time in uh, uh, Lawrence, Kansas. And, um, of course, I, I lived where I live now when I was working Jeez, because one thing good about scouting, you can live in one place and travel everywhere, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, no, it's always great to be with you. And I think first time I ever talked to you, you still might have been a student. I, yeah, I absolutely was. <laughs> no, I still remember uh, Dylan Richardson because I used to do the, the Chiefs podcast on the sportsstuff.com. That's where I was doing it. And I started that podcast when I was 16 years old. And I remember Dylan uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, look, uh, you know, this guy named Dan, he's got a scouting service, and I think he'd be really cool to talk to. And I did some research, and I saw, you know, you, you were with KU, you were with the Chiefs, so I brought you on. Uh, and, yeah, I was – I think I might have been a high school student at the time, whereas now I'm 29 years old. So, yeah, a lot of us uh, – we, we've, no, we've known of each other for a very long time. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I think scouting is so fascinating, and I want to pick your brain and talk about your time with the Chiefs, the Jayhawks, and also your working relationship with Andy Reid. I, I, I want to know uh, some things about Andy that maybe not a lot of other people know, but uh, Wednesday morning, I mean, the news just broke. Uh, you and I chatted about this a little bit before we uh, started uh, re recording. Uh, of course, we learned about the passing of uh, Gail Sayers, former Kansas Jayhawk, and uh, played for the Chicago Bears. Uh, went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, I mean, you can't say enough about this guy. Um, yeah, I've got. A, I, I interviewed him my senior year of college in 2014. Uh, you told me you met him at KU. Uh, I'll share my story in a moment, but I want to let you go first. Uh, what was your experience like meeting Gail Sayers? Well, I tell you, he was uh, a very humble but confident man. Uh, I really, in fact. Um, I don't know what ever happened to it, but I took a picture back then. Uh, we, we took photos, no phones, um, uh, of, uh, of Gail. And um, uh, not with me. It was just with Gail. You know, Gail was actually, I thought I got him in a real good pose. And I took a, it took a picture. And uh, But uh, I sent it to him to get it autographed. He said, hey, Dan, yeah, I'll autograph it and send it back. And uh, I got to think, I probably didn't give him my address to send it back, oh. so, you know, but, uh, you know, I wish it was really a cool picture. Uh, it was kind of him looking over his shoulder, but no, it, it was a very, um, he's a very humble man. Uh, and my first experience was, uh, you know, I'm sitting right here in the middle of the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, the you know, the uh, Green Bay Packers, the Chiefs, uh, and uh, at times St. Louis, uh, you know, and so we're kind of right in the middle of everything. And a lot of people were Bears fans. In fact, when I was a little kid, I mean, I must have been, this was, oh gosh, this is easily 60 years ago that um, Billy Wade was a Navy friend of a neighbor. And I was down there, I was down uh, in the playground playing, he came over and threw me a ball. And uh, so I got to be kind of a bear fan from that time. So I was watch, I'd always watch the bears. And here's Gail Sayers that, uh, I mean, I, I called it on, on Twitter today, poetry in motion. And it was, that's what it really was. I mean, he just, he, he, he could slide and glide, slip off a tackle. And, and uh, I tell you, it's like the, 
it, like the world fell apart when he got a, his first knee surgery, you know, I mean, because you never saw him get hit. And then he got the knee, first knee surgery, and uh, then he had another one. Of course, he was a great kickoff return guy, too, uh, along with being um, uh, an outstanding running back. So, um, but in great hands, a tremendous athlete, the Kansas Comet. Obviously, your ties with the University of Kansas and the Jayhawks and everything. You know, uh, Gale was just, uh, you know, just tremendous. And then, of course, the... Uh, you know, the uh, movie with Brian's song, uh, I worked with John McAvick at uh, Purdue, and then John's roommate, you know, was, was uh, uh, Brian, you know, so uh, it, it really, uh, it, it was, uh, I had a lot of ties there. I just, you know, I've heard so many great stories, and I was listening to Charlie Weiss on Sirius XM, and uh, a lot of people know about his son, Charlie Weiss Jr., uh, who got into coaching. And Charlie shared a story, Charlie Weiss Sr., that is. He shared a story uh, when I think he was the head coach of Notre Dame, and uh, that is when he met Gail for the first time. And he shared the story about how uh, his son uh, was asking uh, Gail Sayers for coaching advice. And Gail's advice was that he needs to play football in high school to have a good understanding of coaching the game. And so – uh, Charlie Weiss shared that his son had, you know, lost some weight so he could play football his senior year. Now, I, I would imagine that was his only year playing football. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, you still have some familiarity with it, a better understanding with it. And Charlie Jr., I know he uh, followed his father at the University of Florida and then over to KU. And I, I don't know where – I'm not mistaken. I believe he was with uh, Nick Saban in Alabama. Uh, might, might have been. Yeah, so he's he's done, but but again, he he took Gail Sayers' uh, coaching advice, and I think there was even an article last week uh, of Charlie Weiss Jr. You know, crediting Gail Sayers for that advice, um, and it just shows how such a nice guy he was. The story I have, uh, uh, his uh, niece was a classmate of mine, and I did not know that she was related to Gail Sayers. Uh, my one of my uh, uh, broadcasting instructors at KU. He tells me, he goes, hey, her nickname, her nickname's Q. Everyone called her by her first initial. Uh, he goes, hey, you know Q is uh, Gail Sayer's niece, right? I'm like, what? No way. It's like, it's like really? Um, it's like one of those things, like you don't believe that you're sitting next to someone who's uh, related to someone famous. So uh, I was talking to her. I said, I didn't know you were Gail Sayer's uh, niece. You know, he's, he's my favorite Jayhawk of all time. You know, it'd be a dream to interview him. It'd be so cool to do. And she said, we'll make it happen. I'm like, really? And I thought she was kidding. Uh, and it, it took a while because we, we, she didn't know when Gail was going to visit Lawrence. But uh, right before KU's spring game in 2014, uh, he planned to visit, uh, to talk to the team. And so uh, she uh, set everything up. And I still remember I had a journalism class at 8 a.m. And I skipped that so I could go do the interview at 9 a.m. And I had to get there a little early. And I remember I was on the, uh, on the bus on campus, and I, I was still on the bus. I saw Gail and his family walking into the, uh, the student union, and I, saw, I, I knew exactly which one he was. His entire family was going, in, and I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's Gail Sayers right there. And my heart started beating. It's like, I'm really nervous now. <laughs> like, I'm about to interview him too, which, which I, I can't be nervous anymore. Uh, but he was such a nice guy. I was really nervous, you know, 
he's a pro football hall of famer. Why would he do an interview with a college student? But he was not like that at all. Uh, it, it was just so cool to talk to him and just things that I learned researching about him. The first uh, player uh, in FBS history to run 99 yards for a touchdown. Um, uh, the youngest player to go into the pro football hall of fame. Uh, just, just really a, a great player on the field and obviously left behind a great legacy at KU and in Chicago. Uh, but also just a really nice guy. Uh, I know a lot of times, especially, you know, in moments like this, when you're honoring and celebrating someone's life, you hear all these positive things, but uh, that really was the case for Gail Sayers. Uh, I mean, I can't say nothing but good things about him. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 like when I was at KU, the people that were there when he went to school and things like that, uh, you know, John Hadle, you know, John Hadle. Uh, yeah. And uh, they they had nothing but great words for Gail Sayers. And, um, you know, he's a very shy guy, uh, really, when he came in at KU and everything. And he was always very quiet, kind of humble. But, well, I tell you what, you look in those eyes and he had confidence and you give him the ball. I mean, it was uh, Katie bar the door. Yeah, uh, definitely a loss, um, not just in the sport of football, but just, you know, life in general, one of the nice guys uh, in the world. So, uh, certainly condolences to his family. I did reach out to his niece and she responded and had, you know, great words. She, she remembered that day and shared how fun that was. So that was very good. Uh, so and his wife, by the way, such a nice lady. I don't know if you had a chance to meet her. She was really excited yeah. about that interview. Um, yeah, we took a picture on my phone and then she took a picture with her camera. And then a week later, I have it sitting right here to my right. Uh, it's always been there. Uh, the, they, uh, sent me a picture and it, it, it's with him autographed. So it, it's so cool. Uh, such a nice guy. And, uh, you know, again, condolences to his family and I'm sure uh, he'll be very missed by everyone uh, who's been around him. Uh, I do want to move on and uh, talk to you just about your job, because I think scouting is so fascinating, Dan, you guys are, you know, spending countless hours, you know, studying film doing research on these guys. And, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys honestly do know everything about these players. Let me give you an example. Uh, when Michael Sam was coming out of the University of Missouri, uh, there was that story that came out uh, a couple of weeks before uh, the draft that he came out as a gay man. And that was news to a lot of people, but all the scouts knew that already about him. And I, and I don't know exactly how they find out about that kind of stuff, but the, the point I'm trying to make is you guys really – do have to know everything. Uh, otherwise, I, I guess you're not really fulfilling the requirement of being a scout. Is that correct to say in a way? Yeah, it's a scout really is a profiler, you know, is exactly what you are. And, and uh, now he didn't mind. He, you know, actually he, Michael talked to the team about that. And uh, it, it was, I think during two days, as I recall, and he, and uh, when he talked to the uh, Missouri uh, pro liaison and things, uh, they said, well, hey, should we tell the uh, scouts this and things like that? And uh, and he said, yeah, go ahead. He says, I have nothing to hide. You know, I mean, he was very upfront with it. But, you know, um, it, it, it just, you know, I guess uh, nobody really got too excited about it uh, because he was a good football player. I mean, he's very productive. I mean, when, you know, the bottom line is if you can play football, Sometimes a lot of the other stuff doesn't matter. I mean, that's your private business and, and things like that. And, and, you know, he was a, a tremendously productive player at the University of Missouri. So, um, and then he got a shot in the NFL and just didn't work out for him. But that happens with a lot of guys. But no, he, uh, uh, there was, you, 
I mean, there's so many ways that when you go into a school, you know, you talk to the equipment guy, you talk to the trainers, you talk to the uh, pro liaison, you talk to the, um, uh, you know, the uh, faculty. Uh, in fact, uh, one thing that, I mean, I accidentally ran into this little uh, bit when I'd go in to like get gas at a, at a convenience store, say at, at uh, you know, the University of Kentucky uh, or uh, what have you, and you say, Hey, what about so and so? You happen to know him? Oh, yeah, I love him. He 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 babysits for us, you know. Uh, guys like so. I mean, there's different things that you know you just kind of pick up out there, and um, and you always want to. I mean, I was always uh, very positive. I had to make a player uh, want me not to like him. You know, I always went in with a great attitude. Say, hey, this guy's gonna be a pro football player, you know. But now all he's got to do is show me that he's not. You know what I mean? Instead of the other way around, instead of saying, hey, show me you're a player, show me you're not one, you know? And uh, I think it served me well over the years. You know, I think what's so interesting about scouting, and look, I, I commend you guys because it is a tough job. And, you know, sometimes uh, you guys, like, for instance, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he was taken 10th. He was not the number one overall pick. And a lot of people look back at that and, and say, you know, how, you know, for instance, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, not, not only was he, I think 12th, he was Mitchell Trubisky was the first quarterback in that draft class. The point I'm trying to make is I've seen a lot of players on social media, maybe take offense to what scouting reports say, or, you know, they, they, they maybe feel insulted that, uh, there were negative things said about them or that they felt like they were projected to go later than they really should have. Uh, what's your reaction when you see some of these athletes maybe respond and feel like some scouts are too negative about them? Well, and, and you know, there, there's some validity to that. I mean, some scouts, uh, they don't think anybody can play, you know what I mean? It, and those guys probably shouldn't be scouting, you know what I mean? Uh, because what you're doing is you're looking for a guy that can fit in to your team, your, your culture of your team, uh, you know, can he fit in the scheme you're looking for? And now that that's probably as tough as anything, find a guy who can fit into a scheme because everything's so specialized. But, you know, hey, frankly, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes was coming out of a system that never produced an NFL quarterback. And I think that sticks in the mind of certainly a lot of the scouts and a lot of the old timers who've seen you know, uh, quarterback since Johnny Unitas on, you know, or what have you, or, you know, uh, and uh, so I, I think that that uh, that was the thing kind of hurt him a little bit. But, you know, when you saw him live, now that was the other thing. If you see him live uh, when he was in college, boy, he could whistle it. And I mean, he was very accurate then and he was in just in a different scheme. And, um, you know, and, and let's face it, uh, um, you know, Dak Prescott, I mean, here's a guy that we put in the second round. He ended up going in the fourth. And um, a lot of people, hey, pro football focus had him as a free agent. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, but you got to see the guys. And, you know, you, you I mean, he was, he just was, and it's better the more you see him. Like you see him when they're a sophomore, you see him when they're a junior. And then when they become a senior, like he stuck around and uh, he really improved in his senior year. And so, like Prescott was, that was very positive. Now, Mahomes, a great athlete, everything was great about him. He just had a strong arm, a smart guy, athletic guy, but he was inaccurate at times. You know, he, he, uh, <laughs> and, and plus there, it was a limited route tree and all that stuff. But maybe some people said, hey, Obviously, the, the, this, the Chiefs did not 
they said, hey, this, here's a guy that can really throw the ball. Uh, he's very smart. He's very charismatic. Um, we're going to, you know, uh, tie our uh, wagon to this guy and see what happens. Whereas, you know, like uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, he only started one year there at uh, North Carolina and did some good things, but he was a little bit more mechanical than uh, extemporaneous like a Mahomes or like a Watson. I mean, Watson, where was another one that guy was, his inconsistent accuracy bothered people, but what a leader, what a charismatic guy. Um, uh, if you check into his background, like we were talking about earlier, it was tremendous. I mean, he here's a guy that, uh, I mean, he, he grew up in a very poor area, but yet he always had time for everybody and uh, was just a very positive influence upon people, you know, the people around him. So uh, though you got to take into uh, consideration all that stuff and, and uh, it's all a piece of the, the pie. We talked about, you know, what you do as a scout, but this has been a crazy year, uh, of course. Uh, we saw it in the NFL draft, you know, we saw coaches in their gigantic living rooms and all these athletes that were getting drafted and, you know, they're in their living rooms with their family celebrating the moment, uh, as opposed to a lot of them, they go, they shake hands with Roger Goodell and hold up that Jersey and whatnot. Uh, what was this year like for you as a scout, uh, considering the pandemic and not being able to visit all these schools? Right. Well, um, sometimes you have some zoom meetings, you know, with, uh, the coaches and then you visit the coaches and, of course, you know, you do, like I said, two years of film, um, we're looking at 2019 uh, film, um, you know, prior to this season. So we kind of got a feel, but you know what? It's the old saying, nothing ever stays the same. Guys get better, guys get worse. And um, you will hope that they carry over and look really good from 2019 to the 2020. But it is different because you don't get to, you know, go to practice right now. You know, you don't get to, just a few scouts get to go to a game. It's kind of a lottery. Unfortunately, you know, I'm working with the East-West Shrine game, and we've had scouts uh, at a couple games already. We're, you know, very fortunate to get guys in the games. And uh, uh, I think we were at the Florida State game, um, and then we'll be at the uh, Miami game this week. But we're at, you know, Florida uh, Florida State Georgia Tech game about a week ago and things but you know you can't get down the field you know you're up in the press box you like to get down there and what we call it smell their breath you know you get down there on the field and see those guys and look at them on the hoof and hey see those big thick legs and those thick forearms like to Sean Wharton for instance uh, another one of our uh, shrine guys that is with the Chiefs right now and got five tackles the other day you know you see him on the hoof and for him not to get drafted was stunning to me because he looked like uh, John Randall, okay? So when we scouted him, we saw those big four, thick forearms and calves, and, and what a great kid. Went to Missouri S&T, used to be Missouri Rolla, you know? So, um, you know, you check every little box for these guys, and uh, again, you look, think positive. You say, okay, yeah, he's a little short, but Hey, 6'1", 280, but you know what? He comes off the ball like a scalded dog, you know, or like a jackrabbit. He just sticks his foot in the ground and boom, he can get up the field. And uh, so, but again, there's just another little example. Uh, you uh, spent some time with Andy Reid. How many years did you uh, work with Andy 
in Philadelphia? Three. In fact, I was there when Andy got there. I was with Ray Rhodes before okay. that. And I might say John Gruden and Sean Payton and John Harbaugh. And uh, we, had a, we had a few pretty good coaches there when I was there. Uh, hey, Steve Spagnuolo came in. Uh, yeah. You know, Steve was there. Uh, and what he was a young coach and just, uh, I mean, a tremendously organized uh, guy. And I'm so happy for him how he's doing now and everything. Won that Super Bowl again, second Super Bowl as a coordinator and everything. And um, so, uh, but – but uh, you know, Andy was, it was he was a position coach at Green Bay. He came over. He nobody knew about him. Uh, Mr. Lurie gave him a shot at at, at the head uh, job there, and um, uh, he listened to everybody. The one thing I think you look at when you're in draft meetings is, hey, the head coach going to listen to me, you know? And uh, he did. You know, he didn't. He came in and everything was wide open. He he hired a lot of really good coaches, um, and uh, you know, we in fact. Uh, Andy's four uh, conference championship games there with all the groundwork that was laid from, you know, when Ray Rhodes was there uh, with the scouts uh, forward and then with Andy and uh, took it from there. So, um, hey, we, you know, just because you don't win the Super Bowl every time doesn't mean you don't have good scouts, you know. And uh, we were we, – we had a very conscious – I signed 20 – probably 20 free agents that made around 20 that made our team in Philadelphia, you know? So um, it was, uh, um, you know, it, it, but Andy is, uh, it, what you see is what you get, you know, he still likes the cheeseburgers, you know, he's still, <laughs> you know, the, I, in fact, I, I got a shirt on honoring uh, Andy today. I see that. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, uh, good family, um, you know, and, uh you know, he just, uh, everything is thumbs up and, and Hey, I'm really happy for him. And now he's, I'm not sure about this number, but it seems like he's fifth or sixth, what all time wins or something now yeah. in NFL history, you know? So, uh, you know, here's a guy that, that worked his way up and, um, BYU guy and everything and, uh, has done well. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you as a former colleague of his, cause so many people were happy for him. Uh, winning that Super Bowl, and there were a lot of people who were critical of him. And, and look, I'll be honest, I was one of them. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people wondered, can he win in the playoffs? Can he win the big one? Because he has had a history of, of, you know, not doing well in those big games. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the way it happened in the Super Bowl in the final eight minutes and how the Chiefs just worked really fast to turn that around and score 21 points, and he that's how he earned his first Super Bowl ring, uh, I'm, I'm curious, as, as someone who's worked with him, you know, how nice was it to see him finally win that after all, after everything he's gone through uh, with uh, w with the heartbreaking losses in his career? Right. Well, I, I think the thing is, you know, Andy was kind of a game changer when he first came into Philly because then, you know, it was a lot of run first and, and play action and, and things like that. Well, Andy wanted to set up the run with a pass, you know, and pass, and pass the ball. And, um, you know, for an uh, old-time football guy like me back then, too, it was, you know, I wonder if this is the right direction, you know what I mean, what we're doing. And, uh, but because uh, he mixed, he had the West Coast offense there, of course, at Green Bay when he came in. You know, Brett, Brett Favre was there and all that. And, and it was a true West Coast, uh, the Bill Walsh West Coast offense. And we were running it anyway. So we had a lot of, because uh, John, when John Gruden was there, you know, obviously we, we ran, he, John came from Green Bay uh, as a coordinator. And then he got things going 
that way. And we that's the kind of players that we scouted and brought in. So when Andy came in, he stepped right into it. So um, I think that um, uh, he did it his way, kind of like, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I did it my way, and uh, he, he got the Super Bowl. I mean, he you, you don't win as many games as he did. And, and the other thing is, I think, you know, Andy would probably acknowledge, too, that he hired great coaches. I mean, he had excellent assistant coaches, and then you make good decisions on, on players. You, you know, you um, you know, you know win with people. Uh, Woody Hayes told me that years and years and years ago, and I think he wrote a book uh, by the name of that, You Win With People. And, you know, Andy had good people around him. He had good scouts. He had good assistant coaches. He listened to them. And then, um, you know, and, and sometimes you got to be, it's better to be lucky than good. You want to be lucky and good. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, he, he had some bad luck in some of the games. You know what I mean? Just And, and some some people just do. I mean, hey, Marty Schottenheimer was, I worked with Marty when I went to the Redskins and he's a great football coach and people, you know, you can't see and think, well, he's just a guy, you know what I mean? Because he just, you know, took us to, you know, won a lot of games. We never won the big one, but, you know, he just, and he never did win, you know, the big one, but he was a, a just an excellent football coach and that's the way Andy was and Andy is, or is, and then finally got, you know, finally got his Super Bowl. You it won't be the last one. I'm going to throw that in there. Oh, no, the standard's very high. The standard is high for sure now in Kansas City. Um, and, you know, he, he just recently signed an extension too, So and Patrick Mahomes did as well. So a lot of people are excited for that. Uh, you've alluded to this a couple of times. Uh, Bill Belichick has six Super Bowl rings, plus a couple more Super Bowl appearances. And he's had so many coaches that have branched out. And for whatever reason, I mean, guys like Romeo Cornell, Charlie Weiss, Josh McDaniels, um, you know, Brian Flores, uh, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on. Bill O'Brien, another one. So many assistants, uh, but they just haven't done well. Andy Reid just got his first Super Bowl ring, but for whatever reason, his coaching tree just seems to be doing better. I know Matt Nagy, it's been kind of up and down. He was the coach of the year, though. Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl in, in uh, Philadelphia, and – a lot of people are shocked that uh, Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach yet. Why is Andy Reid's coaching tree so successful? Well, I, I think that uh, a lot of those guys stick to the formula and they don't go away from it. And, and you know, I don't know if Bill Belichick, he tells all his assistants all his secrets. <laughs> that, that's know? a good point. That's a very good point. And, and uh, but uh, you are Andy, I think is a little more transparent, you know, but uh, I think that that um, uh, it, it's just, um, you know, Bill, he he is, he keeps things buttoned down and, and uh, he's not so open, I, I think that he, and then of course, he had Tom Brady as his quarterback. Now I know that you know, Tom's, you know, had some rough patches here uh, last couple of weeks and things. But, you know, I, I really think that those guys went hand in hand. Uh, and I, I think that Tom has much to do with winning those uh, games and Super Bowls as Bill had winning them because, um, you know, he, he was just uh, – he, he was such a stable leader. And um, I think you need somebody that's – the only way you win is have everybody, you know, uh, pulling those rows the same, the boat, the, the, the rows in the boat, the, the oars in the boat the same way. And, um, and I think that that's what, you know, Andy is doing. And I'm not so sure that, that the coaches that go out from Belichick, they, 
they can't pull that in. Because one thing about Bill, I mean, he's got, he's got the track record now. I have won 300 and some games. And uh, you want to come in and be a free agent. And, you know, you might have a shot at the Super Bowl. Well, the other people don't have that gravitas, you know, that go, are out there. They're, they're uh, out there and, and they're trying to make a name for themselves. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple of them, that, you know, do really well. And, I mean, well, like Dante Scarnecchi, the longtime offensive line coach. You know, Dante, I worked, in fact, he was a graduate assistant at Iowa State when I was a student assistant. And he, he retired. He's 70 some years old now. And uh, he finally retired. But, you know, Dante, when he was missing about three years ago, their offensive line was in disarray, you know. And when he came back, then they, they came back and they fell into place and things like that. Well, you know, it takes a while for you to get your coaches and things like that. And I think a lot of those guys that go out, you know, they, they, they might not have that luxury right now. It takes a while to develop your coaches and, and uh, to get in your system. You uh, spent some time in Kansas City, and I remember you shared this story before, and I'll, and I'll have you share it again. Because um, uh, I, I remember you mentioned this uh, on my podcast, and there were actually a couple of Chiefs blogs that picked up on this story. Uh, you suggested that the Chiefs sh- should have drafted Albert Hainsworth and instead – they drafted Ryan Sims, who, you know, one of the more disappointing players in, uh, in Chiefs draft history. You know, I kind of want to know, like, what goes behind closed doors? And, and I don't know how much you're allowed to reveal. And I, and I want to respect if there are certain things that need to be kept private. But, you know, how much input, uh, you know, can you give? And how much of your advice do they take on, you know, who should we draft? How much should we listen to this scout? How much should we listen to another? Because there are a lot of scouts in the room, and they're all probably, you know, pleading for different guys. Well, I, you know, you, you set your board up. And, you know, keep in mind that you're not the only guy that's seen him. Like Hainsworth, um, you know, I know why he wasn't drafted. But, uh, you, first of all, he was a talented guy. He had some off-the-field stuff that was, you know, proven later and things like it. he might have fizzled in, in Kansas City too but he's all pro for a long time and and the only thing that hurt him is stuff between his ears you know and um so and Ryan Sims is a great kid I mean he was a great man young man and uh loved to have him on the team he just wasn't as talented as uh Ainsworth and then boy the name escapes me but remember that year the Chiefs took we took two defensive tackles back to back remember that one that went in the second round oh uh, i do i'm trying to look that up right now i can't remember his name either but i'll look that up right now he, you know unfortunately he was really a good football player played a little high but he ended up having a couple knee surgeries and he eddie know, freeman that's it and his career was over but there's again another really good kid and, and you know we needed defensive linemen so um you know we went back to back with them and uh, unfortunately you know, neither of those guys worked out. Now, Hainsworth, he might have been all pro for a few years, and then, you know, he might have went on his own agenda or something like that. Uh, but he was definitely a talent coming out of Tennessee, and he was my highest-graded guy. But and, – and I probably tempered it, too, because, like you said, we, hey, we profile these guys. We go in and we know about them and say, hey, uh, this, is, this is what he is. Now, he's an outstanding football player. Now, here's – you know, here's the dark side, you know, now if we can, can uh, handle this, then we'll go ahead. And I think every team does that. They'll take guys that that are edgy, you know, uh, because sometimes that's good for your team, especially if they're on defense, you don't want an edgy quarterback, but you want one that's on defense that will light you up, you know, and uh, maybe put a little uh, pizzazz on your defense. But, but um, 
yeah, the way it turns out, I think Haynes would probably would have been the better pick, but uh, at least for a few years. And you never know, you know, being a guy, around a guy like, uh, um, you know, uh, Marty Schottenheimer or Dick Vermeil, um, you know, that might have been, uh, you know, Dick Vermeil at that time would have been, you know, might have made a big difference in, in the kit, you know. So, but anyway, that's water over the dam, as they say. Uh, which years were you in Kansas City? It would have been, I think, uh, I want to say 2000, 2001, uh, 2002, I took over our lads. Uh, so it been in that era there. So, so it was only under Dick Vermeil, though? Yeah, right. Okay. I, I was with Marty, actually, in Washington, you know, uh, before yeah. I came to Kansas City. So, but um, but that's how I my ties with Marty, you know. Who, who, who do you still keep in touch with from your past colleagues uh, working in the, in the NFL? Well, I, I, a lot. John Harbaugh, probably uh, as much as anybody, some Sean Payton, you know, um, uh, but uh, and got to tell Sean to wear his mask so it doesn't cost him hundred thousand dollars. It's a big Gruden, price. I, 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 and Gruden, I, I keep in touch with every so often. Also, you know, but and he and and both those guys had COVID, you know, and they, yeah. and they didn't have their mask on. Both of them, I, John, I didn't know that either. So yesterday, John, I guess had it in July. And of course, Sean was the first uh, NFL uh, personnel person, head coach or whatever, came out and said that he had it. So. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, so, um, and then, uh, a general manager when I was in Philadelphia, uh, John Wooten, I, I talked to him probably once a month. Uh, he was head of the Fritz Pollard Association for, for years, retired last year. Um, and, uh, but, um, numerous, uh, assistant coaches, uh, Leslie Fraser, you know, defensive coordinator up Buffalo, uh, keep in touch with him. And, and a guy that I, I, I really liked, Emmett Thomas, you know, there's another coach that was under Ray up in Philadelphia, a great football coach, and of course, a Hall of Famer, and in the Ring of Honor at Kansas City, Emmett Thomas, a great football coach, a tremendous yeah. football coach. I mean, he developed that great secondary we had in Philly, you know, Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent and Brian Dawkins, you know, and I mean, it was, uh, uh, but anyway, so, um, uh, don't uh, get to the, the talk to Emmett as much as I'd like to, but, you know, there's just, um, in fact, a lot of the coaches now, uh, you know, I have to laugh when I, I see some of these guys say, well, you know, I talked to coach so-and-so. I want to tell you something. You don't talk to any coaches because they're, they're in the submarine and, and it's tough to talk to them. And, and I know John, but I will say this, I can text John Harbaugh and he'll get right back to me. You know what I mean? Or, or, different coaches and uh, will get, get right back to me uh, when I shoot them a text and things. So, um, but, you know, there's, I, I have to think about some others, but there's quite a few that, you know, we sent our draft guide to and things like that. And then I get a note from them and, and our phone call, Bill Callahan, offensive line. Here's another one. There's an offensive line coach that has in Philadelphia that's up at Cleveland right now, getting that, that offensive line scored away. So, uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of the guys that, um, you know, I I don't talk to him every month, but talk to him every so often. Uh, I want to talk about your time at KU. And listen, uh, you know, I, I, my brother and I, uh, I, I went to Lawrence. My brother would visit me when I was staying there. And we both love, love that town. Uh, in fact, I was planning on uh, visiting this summer. But, you know, with the pandemic, you know, a lot of things are were, were closed. Uh, some places still are closed or out of business. Um, so it's very unfortunate, uh, but you know, I love that place. I'm even wearing my, my Lawrence shirt right now. I mean, 
Yeah, it is such a special place. It really is. I, I'm curious, you know, what was it like for you uh, going to KU, and, and, and what do you remember the most? And what was so special about that place to you? Well, to be honest with you, I was just married at that time. But if you recall, KU used to always have the the Miss Kansas and the Miss America contest. Kansas always had some beautiful girls there, you know. And when you brought recruits in, uh, you didn't have a problem seeing that, you know, the scenery, the, the girls were just, oh, okay. you know, just outstanding, you know. And, and here another thing that people really don't realize about the University of Kansas is it's a beautiful campus now. I mean – it's one of the most beautiful campuses in the in the United States, and people don't really realize that. And you know the business programs and the different uh, engineering types of engineering programs are uh, you know some of the top five, ten in in the in the United States of all universities. So, um, and the town it's you know, it's not too big, you know it it's uh, very quaint, um, you know, and the beautiful brick uh, or stone, I guess I should say, buildings. Um, you know, uh, the people are so friendly there. I think, you know, gosh, that might be the number one thing over the pretty girls is just the, the people in Kansas in general, but the University of Kansas, very friendly, accommodating, um, just really, really good people. I mean, salt of the earth people. And um, uh, so I, I think that, um, but, you know, we always, uh, we my wife and I lived there and then I took a head coaching job at a couple other junior colleges in Kansas because I was itching to be a head coach. Yeah, at 26, I'm itching to be a head coach, believe it or not. But, but um, you know, when I was at KU, uh, uh, assigned both offensive, defensive tackles, uh, Renwick Atkins, uh, he ended up playing in, uh, you know, in the National Football League. And, and, and at that time, I think it was the USFL. But, um, you know, and then, uh, uh, you know, but both offensive tackles, defensive tackles started the next year. We were at last time we were at a bowl game, I think for a long time, Don Fambro was there the second time. And then, you know, John Hadle is our offensive coordinator. And, um, uh, but I was a full-time recruiter and signed uh, seven guys. In fact, this is the first thing you, you can keep this in your, your, uh, trivia thing too. Uh, but I, I don't, I'll, I'll guarantee you the no, there's never a coaching staff that had to turn down players that the year that I was a full-time recruiter there, we had to turn down players because we had so many that wanted to come to KU. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Guys ended up going to Penn state, Tennessee. I mean, it was just uh, that year can't the state of Kansas had just tons of really good football players. And then the ones from out of state, we brought in four or the three top players out of Chicago, um, you know, and uh, uh, so uh, California, two of the top players in California. And so anyway, we had, and then the sick part was we had to call some really good players, say, we can't take you. And said, coach, are you sure? I'm going to go to Penn State then, you know, or I'm going to go to Tennessee, you know, but that's probably, that, I'll guarantee you it's never happened in the history of the University of Kansas uh, that, except that year. So, but it was, like I said, you could sell it because it was so such a great, great place to bring student. And and then, um, you know, it was just um, John Hadle was there as like the offense coordinator, and he's Mister Kansas, and you know uh, he was just tremendous. And so anyway, it was just everything. Everybody was pulling in the same direction. You know, when I was a student at KU, I uh, wrote for the student newspaper and uh, got to be the sports director my senior year for the. Um, uh, Sooner Run radio station, and I remember that I covered Charlie Weiss's first two years, 
at KU. And I don't know if you agree with this or maybe you can expand on this logic a little bit, but Charlie would, and look, maybe he was wrong in this. Maybe that's part of the reason why he's not there anymore. Charlie would actually use the basketball program as a way to recruit football players. Just try to, you know, and I don't know how exactly you use that. If you want to maybe show the culture in Lawrence, or if you wanted to maybe show, uh, you know, the, the, the students and how supportive they are, even though that's more for the basketball team than the football team. Can you understand that logic in using another sport to recruit a football player to your school? Well, I think what he probably tried to do is, I mean, the Kansas tradition is unparalleled, obviously. Uh, I mean, they're one of the top, you know, five to six programs uh, almost every year in the country. And the tradition there was tremendous. And I think that he was probably trying to show that, hey, we want to turn this program around to, to – uh, have a football program that the basketball team can be proud of, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the, the, it could be because, you know, you, you, it just a tradition of the Jayhawks and basketball. He wanted that to rub off. And um, now, you know, you can have some of those great players because KU always gets one, two, three of the top players in the country darn near every year. And, you know, you have those guys talk to football recruits and say, Hey, this is what it is, and, and uh, we like to get you here and help get the football program going, you know. And um, so I think, it, it's again, it's another tool to help you recruit. But I think KU really – the thing is, um, Kansas doesn't have a, a huge uh, population base except for in Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas – you know, a little bit in Kansas City, Kansas, but Kansas City, Missouri close by, and then you got Wichita, you know, you got Topeka, but – you know, you have to expand uh, to bring uh, players in to the state and the University of Kansas. And um, so I think, you know, that's the big thing. You had to, we went like from 500 miles out, you know, and worked our way in. First, well, excuse me. <clears throat> now, the first thing you do is get your state players. You got to get your players in the state. Then you expand out and then start, you know, filling in and plugging in and, and, uh, so, um, and then, like I said, that year that I was at KU, I mean, Bob Markham was the athletic director who was a tremendous athletic director. Now he got things rolling at Kansas and all sports and, and really, um, uh, was a very smart guy and then went to South Carolina and he was, uh, AD or in fact, uh, up to Massachusetts. And, uh, but anyway, he's really, really good. I met Bob at, at Iowa state when I was there, I was a you know, like I said, student assistant, and he was the athletic director, or assistant athletic director, and anyway, that's why I ended up going to KU, you know, is, is, uh, because Bob was there, and, uh, because I was at Purdue, and, uh, you know, I went, end up going over there, and, uh, because I was full-time recruiter there, and then went, and he tried to help Bob out, and, and we did, we got things rolling there, the personnel end of it. You know, I was reading your uh, your profile on your on your website, and, and I've read this before, and, and I guess it never hit with me. You used to be the uh, the head coach for uh, Highland Community College, and then you went to uh, Independence uh, Community College, and uh, you know, I didn't really think anything of it at the time, but now with have you seen Netflix's uh, Last Chance You? Uh, no. Oh, you no, have not? I never, it's pretty popular, but sorry, I don't. 
believe it or not, I, I, my wife, my wife says, "Hey, we we can't watch the Emmys because they're all on Netflix. All those shows we haven't seen them." And uh, believe it or not, I think we might be one of the few people in America that have, don't have Netflix. Oh my gosh, you you gotta! I mean, even just for this show, I, I, I think for you specifically, I mean, this would be worth the, the price. So, have you have you heard of Last Chance You? Yes, and in fact, I lived it. I mean, believe me, I, I had a lot of players that uh, you know were Last Chance You that end up. Uh, doing it i did i I, so i saw it firsthand but anyway go ahead well no i was just gonna say i mean look i know it's reality i mean i'm a survivor fan so this kind (laughs) of thing does appeal to me a little bit maybe you'll watch this and you'll say okay there's a lot of editing that you know kind of makes this look worse than it really is but i I, it's a very popular show man i mean and you know independence that was uh, appealing they did seasons three and four and independence. And that's appealing because, you know, I live in the state of Kansas and I, I've heard of independence. I've seen their soccer team uh, when I was a student at Johnson County Community College. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought maybe you had seen that. Um, and the, the first two years they did Eastern Mississippi, which, you know, still a small school. But, I mean, there's a big difference between East Mississippi and Independence uh, Community College. So I, I wasn't sure if you had seen that. But if you ever get a chance, you definitely need to at least see those two seasons where they did uh, Independence Kansas. It, it was a lot of fun, and I don't know if you know of the head coach, Jason Brown. I mean, that dude's that dude's hilarious, and he's pretty colorful as hell. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to watch on that show. Well, I'll tell you, Independence was another place that was really uh, enjoyed uh, being there. Highland was uh, – they, they've got a lot of new buildings and things like that since I was there, but I took over those programs when they were 0-9, you know, and uh, – and uh, we got them turned around, made playoffs at Independence and all that stuff. And uh, and uh, I think we ended up six and five up at uh, at Highland. But I mean, they never beat a Jayhawk conference team before we got there. And uh, we won three of them my first year there. And uh, so we got that baby rolling. But uh, and uh, a lot of the, I think they only had one new building there. I mean, a lot of them were pretty old and the old, uh, the, uh, uh, mortar was coming out of the seams of some of those buildings, you know what I mean? And, uh, but, um, but independence was great. The, we were tied in with a golf course there and it, that was a fundraiser. We had our golf court, uh, golf tournament there and we'd, you know, raise money. Uh, and people in independence were just, again, salt of the earth, Kansas people, great people. Uh, in fact, I still get letters from people there in independence, you know, and, uh, and things. And uh, I'm surprised they didn't mention the last chance you, but maybe they did. I, I don't recall, but they, uh, but really, you know, they, they got their own, I, I assume they still have Neil Walla down there, which is high, uh, Halloween spelled backwards. That's a big festival that goes on for a week down there. And, uh, um, it, it, it was a very special place and a very cute little campus um, down there, a pond on the campus. In fact, a dog that we had for 20-some years, a cocker, uh, the students left him there and we adopted him. He used to chase me down. I'd leave the office in, in my car and I'd look in the rearview mirror. I'd see him chasing me down. So we ended up taking him, taking her home. And the vet said, well, she's about three years old. And we had her another 17 years, you know, a cocker, a black cocker uh, named Lady. Not, uh, you know, I know it's, you know, uh, not a different name. But anyway, uh, so we had her. That's one thing I remember. And, she, and she'd jump in the pond and show off for my wife and I and swim around and things like that. And we say, hey, enough of this. Let's go. We're taking her with us. You know what I mean? So 
uh, we took her home and she awarded us with six puppies and about, you know, about a month later. And then uh, we had her for 17 years. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you before you go, because I know you, you've alluded to a couple of books uh, while uh, we've done this hit on this podcast. Uh, I recently got Pat Kerwin's uh, his book, his two books, actually, Take Your Eye Off the Ball and Take Your Eye Off the Ball 2.0. I'm curious, is there any football book or any scouting book that you really like that you definitely want to recommend to anyone out there? Well, you know, uh, I'm kind of uh, uh, – I, I, obviously, I like – our lad scouting guides because all our we have our you know it's not by a big time new york publisher but i mean we write these books i've written oh gosh i guess 16 draft guides now and uh i mean this is authentic stuff you know this isn't i mean this is from nfl scouts we hire a lot of nfl scouts that are between jobs or coaches that are between jobs in fact one year in our mock draft in our book um, we had, we had a, a scout that had three Super Bowl rings, you know, and he was between jobs and, uh, and, um, he did our, our mock draft for us. People don't realize that, but we, I mean, they're getting a lot of what I call the sweet feed, you know, and, um, so, uh, but, but, uh, you know, football books in general, be honest with you, we're, when you study tape 16 hours a day, you don't have time to read a lot of books. And, uh, I mean, course I like the Vince Lombardi series one and two that has been out for you know 30 or 40 years you know but uh so um right now I, but I, I our draft guide I think is really super and uh it's it showed that it, hey it's it's proven out that hey we hit those players pretty good where where can you find those draft guides they come to you can go on our website and there's a subscription part in the right you can order the older ones in fact we've got in fact, a lot of people do. In fact, when um, the XFL uh, teams and uh, the AAF teams, when their personnel departments, they got all our, like our last six or seven years of guides and, you know, we send them to them in a package. So, um, but, you know, you can read about, and then like right now, for instance, if you go to our lads uh, NFL depth charts, we have links of the stories of these different players. Like you can read a report on Dak Prescott or Baker Mayfield. Click on that link and you can read our report. So I remember. Uh, I was just gonna say I remember when I interviewed you on my uh, radio show in Lawrence when I was a student there at KU. Uh, my co-host, I mean, he was thrilled that you were coming. He was a huge fan of of your work, and he actually had one of your draft guides uh, on him. So I do remember that. Uh, so. Uh, I do see that on your website. So yeah, that's definitely worth uh, checking out. And I'll, uh, I'll definitely look into that and I'll, uh, I'll share that uh, link as well on my, uh, on my social media. Uh, Dan, Hey, look, I, I love talking to you, man. Uh, so many great things, so many great stories. And I always learn something from you uh, every time you come on. Uh, I, we'll definitely keep in touch. We'll do this again and uh, keep in touch. Stay safe. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring you back on here sometime soon. You do the same. I appreciate it. And hashtag, R.I.P. Gail Sayers today, okay? All right, good call there. All right, Dan Shanka, go check out his website, ourlads.com. Dan, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. All right, our big thanks to Dan Shanka for joining me here on Farscast. I really love talking to Dan. Uh, I mean, I could talk to him for hours upon hours. I mean, just the stories he has. And, uh, you know, he's rubbed elbows with, so many guys uh, in his uh, in his career, 
uh, in the sport. It's so incredible. Just, you know, one sport, how many people you come across and the relationships you build from all of that and everything he has done to try to help football teams over the years. And now he's doing his own deal uh, with OurLads.com. Such a cool gig uh, in, in scouting. It's not an easy thing to do. And, and we kind of talked about that. And especially now, uh, you know, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, with this pandemic, how things are going to be moving forward. Uh, when do we return to normalcy to the point where scouts can do some of these uh visits in person uh you know rather than just do a uh, zoom meeting or try to do research in uh you know so many various ways uh i know it's uh been a tough time for a lot of people uh, scouts included you you have to be very creative in what you're doing and how you try to learn about some of these players so it, it's certainly been crazy for sure uh with um uh with that department and with anything for sure so uh, but it, it's so, so many great things to talk about with Dan, and I'm glad I got to uh, talk to him. It's been a long time since I last talked to Dan, and like I said, always full of knowledge. Uh, knows what he's talking about, one of the best scouts uh, in the country. So uh, great to talk to him, and uh, it's definitely not going to be the last time I have him on. Uh, he'll definitely be back. He was one of my uh, frequent guests on my radio show and on my Chiefs podcast. So uh, definitely someone who I'll bring back for sure to talk more uh, football with and anything in between. Uh, I will say he brought up something interesting with the whole COVID situation uh, with some of the coaches uh, not wearing their masks and being fined. And I know there's a big uproar about this. And look, I mean, it's insane to say that, you know, this, this whole thing about wearing a mask has reached, political heights you know how in the hell did that happen i have no idea i mean look you've you have this you know ongoing talk about you know social injustice and racism and somehow that is a political discussion i i I don't know how this happens but it just so happens but look uh, here here's what i will say about the whole mask thing that's going on in the nfl and the nfl trying to be pretty strict about it Look what happened with Major League Baseball in the first couple of weeks. Uh, Maybe there was some overreaction to it, but it seemed like we were on the brink of seeing a cancellation or something similar to what happened with the NBA and NHL where they had to postpone. And I think what the NFL is trying to do, here's the thing. I'm not saying the NBA, the NHL, they were able to afford all of that. But the NFL is just a bigger monster. And... There's so much money. I mean, look, I'm sure there's a lot of revenue lost already because of uh, fans not being allowed to attend games in a lot of NFL stadiums. And I think in a case like this, if you're the NFL, not only do you want to just keep all of the games intact and on schedule, you you want to make sure you have all your sponsors sticking around uh, through all of this. And if you're able to move on with your 17-week schedule plus your postseason, well... Good news, you are going to have all of those sponsorships that are, that are still going around. Listen, I know there's all this talk about the NFL and people boycotting and the ratings going down. Tell me how much money the NFL has lost these days. Because last I checked, it just seems like every offseason there's always uh, a player or two who becomes the highest paid player at their position or the highest paid player in NFL history at their position. There's always uh, a player or two that's get it, that's getting a 
contract that's a record deal at their position. So people want to say all of that, and, and I don't want to get too much into the whole boycotting part. I mean, that's not what I want to get into. The point I'm trying to make is these NFL players are making so much money. There's all this money coming in for the National Football League because of the sponsorships. Uh, look, the TV deal that the NFL has. Those are big contracts, and they certainly don't want to risk losing those. Uh, I remember Colin Cowherd tweeted out, and again, this was, you know, people saying if the NFL is on the decline because of, you know, ratings and boycotts, well, the NFL is, you know, currently working on negotiating new deals with all of its uh, networks that broadcast games, so NBC, ESPN, CBS, Fox, and each of those deals are at least a billion dollars, with a B, a billion, so... Uh, the NFL wants to make sure that they can keep their 17-week schedule intact on time and everything, uh, not let it uh, be postponed or canceled, worst-case scenario, because, look, the NFL is a big monster, and they can't afford for anything to go by. And here's the other thing, too. If I mean, we heard about uh, the uh, Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals. Some of their players and coaches uh, tested positive. If an NFL coach or player tests positive, especially if it's from someone on a good team, it's going to be a much bigger deal. It's going to be a much bigger story. So the NFL wanting to do anything and everything to make sure that they don't have to face that kind of scenario. I know this pandemic has been pretty crazy for all of us. Uh, look, I, I I made it clear before, I'm a huge Marvel fan, and uh, I, I hated reading the, this uh, on the news, but uh, I'm really looking forward to Black Widow, which is supposed to be the next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, for those who have seen Avengers Endgame, everyone knows the fate of, uh, of uh, Scarlett Johansson's character, and her character, uh, Black Widow, Never had her own standalone film, and now she finally got it. And unfortunately, it got pushed back to, uh, from May of 2020 to, I can't remember if it was April or May, but it was pushed back to November, and now it's been pushed back again. Uh, Marvel has pushed back their entire uh, schedule again for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the three upcoming movies, uh, the uh, Black Widow, the Eternals and Shang-Chi, those have all been pushed back, which is just, you know, it's sad to hear. I don't know if they don't want to do the whole Disney Plus thing. For those who don't know, uh, Mulan, uh, the live-action film Mulan, that was supposed to be in theaters this past summer. Instead, they put it out on Disney Plus, I believe, for a price of 30 bucks, And I don't know how that has done, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say that Marvel saw the results of Mulan on Disney+, and I guess a lot of people weren't too happy about that, and so I guess the higher-ups at Marvel decided to turn away from that. I don't know. Me, personally, I mean, I, I, I want to see the movie, but, you know, I suppose, you know, if, if I have to wait, then I'll, I'll just wait. But it is pretty unfortunate seeing all these things get pushed back. I mean, everything's getting pushed back. Here's the other thing, too. You got to keep in mind, a lot of these TV 
network, over-the-air networks, you know, and I take that back, not just over-the-air, but any channel, you know, CBS, Fox, uh, TNT, um, you know, any channel out there that has a TV, AMC, a good example, what are they going to be airing soon? Because there aren't a lot of shows that are that are in post production or or ready to be aired right now because of this pandemic. So you know, a network like CBS, you know, what are they going to be airing? Are they just going to have to do a lot of reruns of shows? Are they going to air movies? I mean, what are they going to do? I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the next few months unfolds from an entertainment standpoint because these networks don't have a lot to air right now. So we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, before we sign off here, I do want to mention uh, some upcoming guests on this podcast. So sometime in the next week or two, uh, probably going to try to do it after UFC 253, but uh, we're going to bring on Eddie Law and Dan Doherty. Those guys are MMA podcasters and writers. Dan is actually an editor for CageSidePress.com. Uh, both really good guys. I met both of them when I wrote for CageSidePress.com over at Fansided, which is uh, CageSide Press now is defunct because uh, a lot of writers left and they just didn't have enough uh, of a staff to be able to move on with that. So all their MMA work is now just through uh, Fansided's uh, deal. But uh, those guys uh, do a tremendous job with their MMA work. They're great followers on Twitter. So they're going to be coming up on this podcast here. And we're going to have a fun MMA roundtable. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge UFC fan. So I'm always going to entertain MMA talk anytime. So I'm going to bring those guys on. And we're not just going to talk MMA. Those guys are also big football fans. You know, movies, video games, anything in between, we'll be talking about that. So it's not just going to be UFC MMA talk. Uh, we'll have other discussions as well. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, going to do a Chiefs Zone reunion. Zach Steginga and DJ Evans going to be joining me in a couple of weeks on Farscast. So you can definitely expect a lot of Chiefs talk on there and talking about anything and everything as well. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Forest Cats. A big thanks to Dan Shanka from OurLots.com joining us here on Forest Cast. Be sure you guys follow me on Facebook, Facebook.com slash You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Subscribe to the podcast, share the links with your friends. Stay safe. Until then, I'll talk to you guys next time. Take care.